Hello everyone, welcome to the Very Reasonable Pilots Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Long. With me as always is my co-host, editor, producer, co-pilot, gunner, navigator, orator, and podcasting associate, Jacob Loth. How you doing today, Jacob? I am swell, Charles. How are you? I'm good. How was your Christmas? Did you get a, a was... good Christmas haul? Okay. A haul? Um, I got a, a couple of books. Oh. Uh, I got some ice molds. Some ice ice trays and a watch uh, holder. I didn't get a watch, but like one of those like fancy things that you put watches in, right? You see, don't actually those thing to put in it. I have three watches that I've put in them. Uh, two of the watches are nice. pretty nice, and the other watch uh, doesn't work and is as uh, a rubber uh, band. So I'm probably as soon as I get another watch, I'm, I'm taking that one out, putting another one in. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, Very nice. so, and as per usual for an adult, I got a bottle of liquor. That's that's what nice. adults receive for Christmas. Yeah, well, I don't uh, think I got yeah. any liquor, so I must not yeah. be an adult. Yeah, you got books, like a seventh grader. Books and a coat. <laughs> yeah, you should get yeah, liquor. I'm like a four-year-old, yeah. Kinda. You should, you should ask for liquor next year. I did ask for liquor. Um... Ask for liquor and socks, because I, I need socks, and no one got me socks, and I'm like, man, I could really use some socks, you know? Damn. I got some I socks. Have, I have lots of socks, but none of them match. That's my problem. That is an issue. I wear non-matching socks most days. Right now, I'm not wearing socks, because I'm an animal. I'm just in a straight foot to slipper. Um, you know, so... That, that's what my life is. And I'm drinking coffee. Um, and it's 5.15 in the day. And I've just had my breakfast. And I'm feeling good, man. Wow. Yeah. That is, um, you know, it's 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 noon here. And yeah. uh, I'm almost done my day. So. Yeah. Well, how, you know what? That's how our lives work. The thing is, I may not be doing well, but I have $20. You do. So you're That's, doing better than that I'm one doing, person that I'm doing I may or may not have cut out from the beginning. Oh, don't cut it out. That's, come on, that's fun. Now you can't It's even it funnier out. now if I cut it out because because <laughs> now you're referencing something no one ever, no one's heard. Yeah. All right. Charlie well, is not enough. making fun of someone that, in case I do cut it out, Charlie is not making fun of someone that is in desperate need of $20. He's making fun of someone that is, uh, is an asshole yeah. and doesn't want to pay money that he owes other people. When I'm po- when this I make fun of the poor, like... I make sure it's not recorded. That's my uh, that's my go-to yeah, thing. I, I usually know? cut it out, so it's okay. When yeah. It All right. Well, you I mean, have the a TV rant he show went on us? last time was was rough. Oh, it was it was pretty bad. Even by my standards, mm-hmm. that was pretty bad. But you know what? No harm, no foul. It's not like the Chinese government <laughs> listens to this. I mean, yep. so a TV show, television. Yeah. So um, before we started here, I was uh, you you helped me come up with a title name and you very uh accurately said well i'm sure that you know is uh because I, I gave you a very brief yeah. uh analysis or a summary of what the show was what, what was my mm-hmm. brief summary it was that there's like this civilization that lives just outside of human perspective and, and perception and i said well i'm sure that this civilization is there and and hu- no human knows about it until a young plucky woman with a strange name uh discovers it and goes on an adventure that was uh, pretty much what i said yeah with with no prompt anyway the the character's name her name is andries 
Andries. Okay. Andries. Uh, A-N-D-D-R-Y-E-S. And she's called Dries for short. Andries. Yeah. Okay. Good. I was going, good. I, I feel like it's Andries. I was trying to come up with a future name, right? Andries yeah. sounded right. And I was like, oh, they could call that's, it Dry for short. So Dry. Dries. Yeah, that's pretty futuristic. More um, well, oh, also, there's a joke that's going to come from that later. So remind me if I forget to tell you the All right. why her name is that. Good. Um, so she's between 17 and 19. She's quiet, um, but she's quick with her words. Um, so she's a good liar. I, she's I don't between so, 17 you know, if and we're, 19. We're, if we're casting, you know, I somewhere between 17 and 19, I don't care. Yeah, okay. So she could it's be just... 17, 18, or 19. <laughs> It's just funny that you say, well, she's between the ages of 17 and 19. All right. Okay, Charlie. Um, She could be 17 and 19. It's inclusive. It's not a exclusive. No, if we cast this show, it has to be an 18-year-old. It has to be somebody who just got the right to vote. Yes, exactly. So she's quiet, quick with her words. She's a good liar, very intuitive, um, afraid of heights, uh, very distrustful. Um, does not sleep well, has lots of nightmares, is, is, is very nervous. Um, and she's the kind of person who would uh, be content with living, like, alone. You know, she's very, she's a loner. Like, if the world was empty and she was the only mm-hmm. person in it, she she wouldn't be, like, happy with that. Like, that's not her ideal world, but yeah. she wouldn't go insane and kill herself. She would just, like, you know, go around the world and eat and she would yeah. be, you know. She, she, her own company is fun. That sounds great. That does sound like my ideal world. It's just me in the world, and I just get to walk around. <laughs> really? You know? I, I would uh, have said that you, would have, you wouldn't be able to take that. Nah, I'd be great. I have my dream job, and I have looked into it, is I want to be a lighthouse keeper. I think I'd be great just, at being I a lighthouse keeper. I feel like you need people. Nah, I don't need people. I need... Uh, like, I, I just need, like, a companion. Like, I'll get a pet or, like, one of those robot dogs that they used to sell in, like, 2009. Yeah. It was all the rage. I get one of those to follow me around our Boston Dynamics dog, you know? Mm-hmm. That's, that's all I need. I need somebody to bounce ideas off of. They don't really need to talk back. <laughs> well, I mean, that's why it's you and me locked in the space station here. Exactly. Remember? It's yeah. great. Uh, it is so he never great. talks back. This is the only time he speaks is when we're recording. <laughs> the so. only time I speak to you. Uh, yeah, you, you, you play old episodes and uh-huh. in order to hear someone talk. But weirdly enough, you mute my track and you just listen to yours. So It's the perfect podcast. What's going on with his ego. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the perfect uh, podcast. I don't know what you mean. Yeah. So the pilot. Um Dries wakes up falling um, until she smashes into the earth in a massive red splotch. Hard cut to her waking up with a jump. So it's like, you know, it's the dream. Oh, okay, yeah. She's alone at a smoldering campfire on the edge of a valley tucked under a cliff. There's like a sort of limited desert-like vegetation. So it's not a desert. It's more like Uh sort of a wasteland sort of. Like a tundra. There's tundra. Tundra is a good good word. Uh, Yeah. So she's leaning against the cliff, feeding the fire with, like, little bits of branches. Um, and when the uh, when the flame slowly comes back, she uh, puts a pot on and boils some liquid. Um, mm-hmm. The sun slowly rises as she scans the horizon, which is um, suddenly blotted with a bunch of fiery dots in the distance. She okay. quickly stamps out the fire and pulls a tarp over it. 
She presses against the wall and uses a beige blanket to blend in with the rock. Ah, very much people, a Lord of the Rings. Um, yes. She's been being uh, a stone. Mm-hmm. The people reel around the valley, and after a long while, um, she leaves her cover um, because they're gone. She puts on a covering when the sun is up, like a big, big cloak poncho sort of thing, but mm-hmm. doesn't cover her arm fully. And within an instant of the sun, uh, sunlight hitting her her uh, arm, uh, it burns her hand. Um, and she has to tuck it back into her coat. So we're getting yeah. the sense that the sun is is not good. Um, it's too hot. She you know, drapes her arm under cover, walks under the canyon. Well, maybe she's a vampire. Um, we'll, we'll see. The sun could uh, be not good, or she's a vampire. <clears throat> she drapes her arm under cover and, and wanders around the canyon to a herd of beasts tucked into a cave. She herds them out and across the valley, and after a long while, she reaches a farm protected by, protected by an electric fence and a rusty auto turret. She brings the, fam, uh, the animals in and greets her ma and pa. Uh, they don't look very much like her. Um, that's all I wrote in, so I don't, you know, they just don't look like her at all. Um, yeah, okay. They're, you know, they're both humans, but, you know, they just... That's, they if just, you saw these people in the street, you'd be like, that's not their kid. Who the hell is that? She's adopted or they're lying to her. One of the two, you know? <laughs> One of the two. Uh, so Pa scolds her for staying out at night and notices her arms burns, which is already healed, but he can tell because it's very fresh-looking skin. You know, it looks very pink. Yeah. Um, says something about how, you know, just because you're, just because uh, she heals faster than most people doesn't mean she shouldn't be more careful. Um, and she can't risk showing it off again, or we'll have to move town again. Um, she helps her mom shear the uh, animals, put them in the barn. Some of the wool they use to make tarps, others for clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can see them setting up these tarps and uh, stuff around the house, and it, it's becoming evident that whatever this wool is, it helps defend against the whatever the, is the problem with the sun is, right? Yeah, okay. So you have to make your clothes out of this. You have to put tarps over your house with this so that... You know, none of the sun yeah. gets in and burns you. And these aren't just sheep. I assumed that they were just kind of sheep-looking guys, but they're not just sheep, you know? Because I was kind of imagining, bull. like, the sort of shape of a bull, but, like, okay. really... I imagine, like, a really thick coat, like, almost comically thick. Uh-huh. So, like, Onto when you shave the them down, it looks like a bull, comical. kind of. Yeah. But when it's when it's really puffy it's like maybe like two feet of yeah oh uh, of of wool and thickness of wool yeah all right mm-hmm. and then they when they when they when they're weaving it they're weaving it like very compact so that mm-hmm. it is there's like no holes in the wool and so it like all the big this big thick wool is actually when it's you know shorn down really just makes a pretty pretty thin fabric because mm-hmm. it's so pressed into it uh, yeah all right Cool. Um, yeah, so um, Dries offers to, to take the cloth into town to sell it, um, but her father says that they can do that tomorrow. It's too late to head out now, and she's like, well, but no, we'll get the best price um, if we go out now, and, you know, I can do it. And he's like, no, we're going to go in. Come on, we'll eat dinner and we can go to bed. We can do it tomorrow. It doesn't matter, you know, how much money we make off of it, but you can also see the farm is kind of dilapidated, and they can use the money, and, and yeah. Dries can see this as well. Uh-huh. Um, she uh, does it anyway to prove to him that she can be useful and, and doesn't need to be protected. Um, she, uh, she she grabs one animal before it's sheared and um, 
He uses them to lug a big cart through the night. So they have this big cart with all the, uh, you know, the, the sheeps, you know, the, the whatever, the coat, you know, the wolf well, thing. Yeah. And then we got this, you know, the, the animal lugging oh, along. Go. He's going, they're going through the dark together. I'm going to call it big, a shoal. You know, caravan. I'm going to call it a shoal. Shoal? Yeah. I, I like that. It's a good name, shoal. Yeah. Anyway, um, they're going through the night. Uh, she has a massive tarp ready um, in the back of the cart and at one point has to hide them along a boulder and snuff out her torch to avoid a group passing their way, riding mm-hmm. horses draped in the same wool. Ooh. She makes it to town and is recognized by the guard and let in. It looks kind of like uh, Moss Isley in the sense that like it's a very flat area and they've got oh, these okay. sort of like igloo looking Yeah, like kind of New Mexican sort of style uh, like... All, everything's yeah. like a white stone, flat. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I forget what that's called. What that building style is called, but it's uh, it's cool. It's got a, it's a good aesthetic. Aesthetic. But over each home is like sort of a, a big tent, which is the tarps mm-hmm. of these of this okay. wool. So even the you know, there's all these coverings over the town, and they're they're sort of meshed together to the point where the whole town is under this covering. So mm-hmm. in during the day in this town, you could walk outside, and you could go around. Yeah. Like uh, without a, having to worry about getting burned, like a football stadium, yeah. But you can also you can notice like you can see the moonlight through this tarp, so you can see the tarps oh. are thinning and they need to be replaced. So okay. some of them are thicker and they don't need to be replaced, but some of them are thinner, so we can see like a you know disparity between you know where repairs need to be made and where not. Yeah, maybe uh, we have like little signs, uh, like our nets uh, or not nets, like fences around like the spots that are uh, thinning. And it's just like avoid walking here during daylight. Yeah, you will be burned. You know that sort of thing. Like mm-hmm. a like a be careful floor wet situation, but more deadly. Because mm-hmm. the way the way the sun is working here is that the you know, the wool can protect you against it, but it slowly wears away at the wool eventually. So yeah. it's not you know pervious to the sun's power. Mm-hmm. Um. So she enters the uh, you know the town. Um, she sells the wool for triple what it's worth to her surprise because she got there well before any of the other farmers and they're in desperate need of the wool. So um, it's, you know, this is a huge, this was a gamble and it worked out and she's happy about it. And with some of her yeah. money, she wanders around the, the shops for a little bit, you know, looking at all the stuff she could get. Because she's like, you know, I got some extra money. I could get something for myself if I wanted yeah, to. Yeah, she, she's 17. Um, Maybe she gets like new new earrings or, or bracelets or candy or something, you know. Well, what she does stuff. spend her money on is she walks by this cool food place and she stops by in a, in a, to get a bite for eat. She gets some noodles, bowl of noodles, um, and is interrupted by Tyro. Now, I have to scroll up because I don't remember what I wrote for Tyro. I mean, I know who he is, but yeah. the, the, the traits. So he's 30s, 40s, a traveling merchant. Um, he's very friendly, but there's, I don't know, there's something kind of off There's about a darkness to him, yeah. Mm-hmm. When he's smiling, it's it, it it's it's not like it's a fake smile, but it doesn't feel quite right. Um, yeah. He's very charismatic, so he's got that from going for him. Mm-hmm. Um, like so, John Goodman uh, in uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane, where he's friendly, but you know there's something there's something fucky going on, you know. It's like Tom Cruise in his normal. Like life. Tom Cruise in real life, yeah. Uh, he talks with her about the roving party of bandits at night. So he's mentioned them. He calls them the Night's Hunt, which he describes as men riding uh, clothed horses with silver flame torches. Ooh. She says they are just a myth. 
um, and didn't see him, though she kind of saw them. Um, he then him, offers you know. to, you know, she's, she, you know, but she's just like, you know, in denial about it. Um, she, he offers to sell her a gadget to protect her, a device that captures the light of the sun during the day and can shine it for a limited time at night. He shows it to her, and, um, and she's looking at it, and uh, he's he trying to show her how it works, and he, he opens it, and it burns her arm by accident. And he apologizes, and he's like, oh, you know, for the trouble, I'll, I'll just give it to you for free. And she's like, oh, you know, whatever. Okay, and she leaves. And as she's leaving, her sleeve uh, sort of kicks up a little bit, and he sees that her arm is healed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Episode two. Ooh. So she continues home in the dark and runs into the roving hunters um, mm-hmm. on her journey back. And she has to use the device on them, which wards them away, but doesn't kill them somehow, which confuses yeah. her. Um, I have a she question hides out in a cave. about the roving hunters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are these roving hunters kind of like like the the uh, wild hunt in The Witcher 3? Are they like these silent warriors clad in like deathly armor? Or are they like kind of like rednecks? Or like, hey, are they talking to her? When she runs into them? No. And they're like, they're oh, com- what's going they're, on? They're no. sort of menacing. They're more like the Wild Hunt, but not, like, armored, you know? Like, yeah, they're yeah, yeah. very hooded and, you know, mm-hmm. very dark, confusing, mysterious. Like uh, the Nazgul. Okay. Like the Nazgul. Yes, that's that's a better right. reference uh, for what I'm looking for, look-wise. Um, so, you know, they, you know, she wards them off but doesn't kill them. Uh, she hides out in a cave and comes home in the morning to find her family has been killed. So very a new hope-ish. Oh, um, she's no. She's in the morning when suddenly Tyro appears, um, at a, seemingly out of nowhere, and helps her escape yeah. before the hunters find her. So he, like, grabs her and pulls her behind a building. Uh, I, she tries to scream, but he covers his her, uh, her mouth, and then the hunters pass by, and she's like, oh, shit. I have a, I had an idea in the first episode, and I didn't want to say it because I thought it might mess with something. But I was going to suggest that when she arrives, the rusty auto turret, like, turns onto her and tries to fire, but it dry fires. And then she says to her dad, we really need to get that fixed. You know, this place isn't isn't safe if it ain't got no protection. And then her dad, like, brushes her off like, oh, it's just there to scare people. Like, we don't actually need it to kill anyone. It, it just, it scares everybody away. You know, that sort of thing. So we can show that their defenses are legitimately just just for show there's nothing there's nothing actually defending yeah. them from the the outside world so he like you know he pulls her behind uh the way like you know a, a wall and the hunters pass by and he's like you know we need to get out of here and so they hide out for a little bit and then they escape um once it hits nightfall and uh, you know she's sad at all because her parents just died but uh they're you know mm-hmm. sort of racing against time here because they need to get away and he keeps saying like you know they're on her trail um and she's asking questions like, how did you get here? How did, how did you know? And he's, he's telling her that, um, that, that she's, she's special. She's like him. And she's not like the other people. And that's why she can heal. And they're after her because of that. And, uh, she's confused by what he's saying, obviously. Um, and they need to, you know, he's like, they need to get our way and, uh, and up, up there before the hunters find her. So obviously still confused, but he's really not offering much besides very mm-hmm. vague answers. Um, and he keeps saying, like, you know, there's there's too much to explain. We just need to get out of here, and then I can I can explain everything. Um, so they travel a long way through the waste with the hunters on their tail, slowly getting closer and closer as time passes. So they got a bit of a jump um, because they, they, they snuck away, but the hunters picked up their trail. Um, yeah. So she's asking questions, uh, uh, as I was explaining, but he, he's like, you know, 
I'll explain everything when we reach the stairs. And they reach the edge of the cliff. And two hunters have caught them. And the hunters are, you know, just on the edge. And they're, they're having to run up to the edge of the cliff. And, uh, or the hunters are on the lower part of the cliff. And they're having to run up to the edge of the cliff. And, um, Tyro tellers are open to her device and, and uh, to, you know, ward them off. You know, the, use the power of the sun. And, uh, he opens it wider for her, which allows the sun to, like, even more intensify, like, you know, let off an even bigger blaze than it did before. Yeah. And it really pushes the hunters away, but doesn't, it still doesn't kill them. Like, they're, they're just, you know, getting sent back mm-hmm. and held, you know, held away from them long enough that they can get to the edge of the cliff where a doorway is. Um, she's pushed through the doorway by Tyro, who says, uh, don't remember, don't tell them about me. Or, you know, like, one last thing right before he's like, oh, you know, don't tell them about me. So this this doesn't make any sense to her, but she's like, okay, you know, that that's yeah. something that we all just heard. Um, and she's pushed through and everything goes white. Episode three. Where do you think this is going, Charlie? I'm gonna guess it's kind of like Tomorrowland, right? And the doorway, I because I don't know how you pictured the doorway in your head, but I just kind of imagined it as like an actual door, like a modern door just sitting really surreally just like on the edge of a cliff, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's what then he opens it and, he, and it looks like it's like completely blank and there's like not, it doesn't lead anywhere. It would just like if she stepped through it, she'd fall off the cliff and he, she's like, what the hell are you trying to do? Kill me? And he's like, remember, don't tell them about me. And she, he pushes her through and she falls into this white void almost. Um, but I think it's going to be like there's a there's a higher civilization that that exists of like this you know higher level kind of person and they're going to have like weirdly uh, you know world destructive goals and and so her her real birth parents escaped because they didn't want her to become like a a villain or something or other and so she she and she's the chosen one maybe. Uh, well, we're not going to get all of the details in this ep- in this episode, Charlie. But you're you're getting on the right vein of things because there may or may not be a to be continued at the end of this. Uh, but you I are in the right vein of things. So, episode three: Dries wakes up in a well lit room. Her eyes take a minute to adjust, and she sees all white walls, a few chairs, and slowly comes to the realization that it's some sort of waiting room. Um, she's sitting down. Uh, in a chair already and she mm-hmm. looks up uh, to the ceiling and sees the sun and panics um, she, you know she starts cowering under a chair and she's trying to cover herself but she's looking at her skin and it's not it's not burning and a voice over the intercom reassures her and tells her that the rays are filtered and uh, they'll be with her in a minute um, so she you know gets back up sits back in the chair uh, obviously very confused at what the hell this barrier is that is above her that looks like glass that's somehow filtering out uh, the sun's ability to just murder her in a second. Yeah. Um, and uh, she's instructed to grab a new set of clothes that just sort of pop out of a chute. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of like l- linens, you know, sort of like robe wear. Okay, yeah. Um, so it's it's like... Not like a jumpsuit per se, but like very sort of linen-like pants, so pretty comfortable. Yeah. And then like flowy a... white linen clothes, and probably some sort mm-hmm. of sandal. If I had to guess, this seems some... like a sandal kind of society. 
I, you know, I hadn't really thought about the shoes, but sandals are fine, I guess. You know what? I, I, you yeah. know, I don't want to see your toes. We, we can wear a normal shoe. Okay, um, normal shoes, but maybe they're like linen shoes, you know? You know how people wear those? Sort of like Crazy a slipper. People, they wear the, yeah, I can wear a linen slipper. A slipper, but it's got a like heel to it, so it's, you know, not going to fall off immediately. Yeah. Uh, so so not a slipper is what I was, I was saying, essentially. Um, she's given an allotment okay. of water and a set of food um, that she's familiar with, like food from that she's used to on her planet, you know, in the mm-hmm. wastes. And she's told that uh, they will slowly bring her digestive system to their standards. So because not, I don't mean that in like a weird way. I mean like literally like she's only eating this kind of food. So she's not used to, it's like if you hadn't eaten for a long time and suddenly you're back into, f- you're, you're like getting food again and you have to sort of adjust to eating again. Like yeah. your stomach has to slowly get used to it. Or if you've never had spicy food before and mm-hmm. you're just, your digestive system kind of craps out on you literally and you spend a while in the bathroom. Ooh, <laughs> That sort of got thing. Him. That's that's, the, that's so, the reasoning behind this. Yeah, maybe she gets so the she's noodles. Gotta, her body's got to adjust. She gets maybe the she noodles. Gets... Oh, that's good, yeah. Charlie. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. She gets the noodles. So, the door opens and a man and a woman introduce themselves as Director Price and Investigator Harrow. So... Who's who? Uh, Director Price is the woman. She is a sort of an unbothered, analytical, measured person. Very tall, white hair, tight bun. Very mm-hmm. tired looking. Tilda um, Swinton is my is going to be my guess for for like. Tilda Swinton's like, good. Um, maybe a little bit more. Who's who's the famous actress that is in Delaware's Prada? She's in. Uh, Glenn Close. Uh, the more famous actress that's in Delaware's Prada. The more famous actress. No, the the woman that plays like the actual uh, Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep, okay. No, Glenn Close yes. is in 101 Dominations. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe Glenn Close is in that movie. I just, I just thought yeah. you were right. Uh, but I guess you were wrong. Anyway, uh, so that's Director Price. And then we have Investigator Harrow. And he's this sort of snarly, gruff, thick mustache, very suspicious guy. Yeah. Probably has a, a Cockney accent. or you know, Ra- uh, Nick Offerman. Not very Cockney. Um, I was, I was Nick just Offerman, to think I feel of... like, is too, is also too, like, he's too much, he's too comedic to play this guy. Yeah. He's too much of, like, a, to think a, of the thickest a funny look to him. Imagine. You need, like, yeah. a, a real mean-looking guy to play this mm. guy. Investigator Harrow's, a, you know, he's kind of a stickler, a dick. Mm-hmm. Um, Colin Farrell. With a mustache. No. Colin Farrell. Con, maybe Con, Colin Farrell. Tom Hardy could probably do it. Tom Hardy. Oh, Tom Hardy uh, does have a thick mustache. That man can grow he some could have a good, facial hair, and he, he loves an accent. Mustache. Yeah. Probably someone t- taller though, because that's. Got, I feel like Investigator t- t- Hero has to be someone that's very tall, because it's mm-hmm. sort of an, he's supposed to be imposing. Yeah. Um, well, I'm imagining these two are like angelic figures, so they may be like unnaturally tall. You know, that's kind of how I imagine them, is that they come in and they're like six foot five you know they're like really tall not so tall that a well human something you'll notice that is that the people in this society they don't actually look all that different from normal humans okay uh, we, we can make these two particularly st- or strangely tall though um not like you know six five like you know make, make them like you know between six, six foot two. and six four yeah. you know the, maybe director price is six foot and he's six four mm-hmm. or six five 
Uh, yeah. So, um, they don't know how she got there, and they question her. Um, she lies. She's like, I just went through a doorway. And, she's, and they're yeah. like, was anyone with you? And she's like, no. I was being chased And Harrow by, doesn't uh, believe her. Yeah, of course. But uh, Price says they must follow protocol uh, without any proof of a violation of the accords. So there's clearly something here that we don't we don't quite understand yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has to be processed and, and let into higher life without any barriers. So Harrow is, is bothered by this, but lets it pass um, reluctantly. And she goes through a series of medical tests and examinations. It's found to be at a suboptimal performance for their kind, but um, well above average of the normal species. And she will adjust to, well, you know, after time in the hub. She's like, you know, they're going through and they're saying like, oh, you're, you're nutritionally very starved and you're missing out on all this stuff. But over time, we'll, you know, get you up to your, you know, full, yeah, you know, uh, you know potential. She has the blood work and, you know, capability to be great, but right now she's just kind of below average because... She's suffering from all sorts of diseases and stuff, and they just need yeah. to, you know... She's got get gout. Her back on track. She's got gout, I mean, gout, she lived man. in a wasteland for most of his life, and yeah. uh, we'll see, like, when we're in the town, there's not a lot of kids, and it's kind of, like, mm-hmm. very rare that you can make it through life at, you know, in, like, get to adulthood in the wasteland. And yeah. you'll end up, you can end up with a lot of, and her, you know, sort of, unknowingly that her sort of uh, advanced genetics actually helped her a lot. Mm-hmm. So, like, the, she would have died if she was anyone else because she was a very, you know, outgoing and kid doing a lot of risky stuff. Yeah. Um, Always getting that one things. arm burned. Mm-hmm. You know? So, she goes through an education course where Mr. Olag, who's her teacher, explains that she's a higher being who evolved from humans naturally, um, yeah. and they all are, but she's one of the very few who evolved separately from the rest of the bunch and therefore has a stronger connection to their root genetics. So, mm-hmm. making up a lot of stuff here. Um, I was only just those say, that it, are born... It's um, what, what Exposition Central. <laughs> Choo-choo. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of, a lot of class stuff. Uh, well, yeah. I'll probably put this in more naturally, if, you know, in the actual script if we were to do the show. Yeah. But I just got to drop stuff on you because it's explaining time. Mm-hmm. Um, so only those that are born from one of the founding families or evolved naturally have this ability. And she asks about this, and he explains uh, by burning her arms. So they, he burns both their arms, and hers heals instantly, but his takes, he says, days. So he still has a burn mark there mm-hmm. um, on his arm. And he explains that they all evolved thousands of years ago from humans um, and left well before humanity started recording history. Um, okay. They've only returned in an observational capacity to watch over uh, humanity as a way to determine how they evolved and sort of replicate that process as they, um, as their evolutionary advantages falter down the line. And he mm-hmm. explains um, that, you know, as, like, as they're... They pass their traits on from generation to generation to generation. Their advantages have slowly started to go away because, you know, you could see that her arm feels instantly and his doesn't. So there's something, you know, wrong there, and they're trying to figure out how to fix it because um, they don't want to lose their their long longer life, their extended life, and their healing mm-hmm. abilities and their increased, you know, everything else. Intelligence and strength and stuff like that. They are the homo superior. Yeah. So he explains her situation and how they'll probably be excited to study her safely, of course, uh, he, he clarifies, though um, she must keep this quiet for now because you know, they're still discussing how they're going to 
They don't know how the world will react if they knew that they found someone that's... She's the first person they found that has evolved naturally. Yeah. Um, so she gets out and goes through some other classes before being directed into a row of apartments where she's given a room with a nice view of the sun. So, you know, it's, it's a pretty cool spot, you know, yeah. on like a sort of space station-like thing. But she, mm-hmm. you can never actually see the whole thing. So her view just shows the sun. We're never actually yeah. going to see what this whole place looks like. Maybe she, like, every day she wakes We could do a cool montage of every day she wakes up, and, like, as soon as she see the, sees the sun, she automatically, you know, muscle memory hides herself. And then after a few seconds, she, yeah. like, gets up and's like, and we could show that that slowly goes away the longer she lives there, you know? I don't know how mm. long you expect her to yeah. be there, but that could just be a good showing her, you know, acclimatizing to this uh, new environment. Uh, yeah, that could be good. Cause she's going to be here for a while, essentially the rest of the show. Yeah. Um, she gets out uh, and, you know, she goes to her apartment and we get the nice view. Yep. And then her across the hall neighbors introduce themselves, Lyle and Boris, um, who she makes fast friends with. So Lyle and Boris are kind of like the, they're, she, they're the Hermione and Ron of, of her Harry oh, okay. Potter, essentially. Uh-huh. So Lyle is the Hermione type, bright, but a stickler for the rules and always nagging on his brother, who is Boris. Boris is Lyle's brother. All right. Um, Boris is a jokester uh, who gets bored easily, likes excitement, but not the brightest, but not not quite stupid. Um, So Boris is the fun bro, but Lyle is the smart one. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so that you know, they quickly become friends, mainly because they're cl- they live across from each other, and they're nice people, essentially. Yeah. Boris and Lyle, they're just you know, they see someone's their neighbor now, and they're like, well, we'll be friends with their neighbor. And um, don't does maybe she when they first kinda... get there, they either like knock her over, or they accidentally you know break something, yeah, so they feel bad. So they offer to hang out. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe she's carrying something, and they knock it over, and then they feel bad, so they help her out and help yeah. her move into her place and get her and set up. And she show her the ropes able to tell them that she comes from the world beyond or whatever you want to call it, the regular planet that the normal people live on or does she have to come up with a lie like oh my you know other house is under renovation so they moved me here through no you know with no uh, ra- raising rent or whatever is she kind of like been fed a lie by the government so that the rest so of the she's people been don't given know like she's a backstory that she has to follow for now um like a very vague like she just got transferred from the other side um and she's moving here now and they'll ask her questions and she has like sort of vague answers that she doesn't really even understand herself like oh i grew Mm -hmm. up here i you know i did this uh but she's pretty quiet and and they can sort of tell that and they can tell that she doesn't like giving answers um and they're not they're not pushy Maybe nice Boris um, just accepts the answers, like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then Lyle is a bit more like, uh-huh, okay. And so Lyle kind of fit, catches on that there's something else going on here. But Boris, again, is mm-hmm. too stupid to, to really get it. Or just not observant enough to just understand doesn't care, that. doesn't you know. Yeah. So she seems to be getting used to life at the hub. As uh, she explores the garden to start getting used to the their food, um, is sort of actually enjoying her education courses as she sees like all the wonders that this you know civilization has discovered. Um, but as you know, one day when Boris and Lyle are showing them around, they show her uh, they pass the central, which is the 
the place where it's like it's like this it's like city hall like the governor's you know place the you know mm-hmm. all the legislature everyone that's important everyone that matters that legally sort of like governmental capacity uh, works in the central and as she's passing by Lyle points out to her Minister Roland Seedorf and she looks over at him and it's Tyro oh bum 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 to be continued that's the, that's the end of my pitch for now Charlie where oh, is it wow. gonna go I don't, I don't know. know I didn't write the rest of it besides a very brief outline for me to worry about later for you to worry about later and for us to enjoy later. I liked it a lot. What was the name again? Give us the name. One this more is, time. I don't think I said the title uh, before, but uh, we did, came I up know with you it didn't. somewhat together. Uh, it's called Under the Plains of Azure. Yes. Under right. the Plains of Azure. Under the Plains of Azure. I know you hadn't said the title and I wanted to remind you to say it. Um, Thank you. I forgot well, the joke. Oh, I forgot the joke. Oh, uh, you you didn't joke remind yet? me either. Okay, well, I guess technically the joke doesn't really come into play until the second season. Now that I think about it, because it's gonna be a, it's gonna give you a spoiler, or not the second season, the next episode. So I, I will, I you know, I set up the joke to you know excite you, but I actually yeah. can't tell you now. I think about it. Okay, so the joke <laughs> setup is it in will this be a spoiler. episode. Episode uh, one eighty you know, one is the setup. Episode one. Or 253, whenever you get to this, you know, second half of the show, that's when we'll get the punchline, and I'm excited about it. That's when we'll get the punchline. I should, yeah. I should never even release the second half, I think. No, I think never do. Funny. Do do it like I've done with House of Malice, where I have, like, a good chunk of a full script completed. I know exactly what's going to happen with it, but I'm just like, nah. No one yeah. does. Or Res Publica, which we are Res- waiting on season four for. Yeah, we desperately. are. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm, it's gonna happen next in this next year, you know, because it's because when this episode comes out, Charlie, it will be New Year's Day. It so will be New happy Year's New Day. Year's, by happy the way. New Year's, everybody! Uh, I hope you're all enjoying it with friends and family, or with people that you don't like who can't uh, find twenty dollars. Um, uh, and thank uh, you. Where are you spending New Year's? Where are you right now, Charlie? I am in Scotland, and I'm planning on spending New Year's in Scotland. Um, or uh, well, I, might, I, I might New Year's Eve. I might be working. New Year's Day. Oh, I would probably well, be sleeping. Nice. Damn. You know, you know how it be. I'm I the work complete Christmas opposite. Eve. New Year's Eve. I will be sleeping. New Year's Day. I will be working. Oh, reporting all that. Nothing news. like. Yeah, gotta gotta wake up at one thirty to 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 be the guy that tells you Happy New Year at four thirty. Yeah, hell yeah. I'm not the guy that says Happy New Year. Somebody else is. I have to write the words Happy New Year though. That is, that's a good job. Well, thank you everyone for listening to the Very Reasonable Pilots podcast. Uh, I've been your host, Charles Long, with me as always, my co-host. Oh, you forgot for a second Kobe. there. It really you know what did. the podcast well, is called? It fell out of my head is? for a second. Uh, I'm just such a good host. Editor, producer, co-pilot, gunner, navigator, orator, and podcasting associate, Jacob Gloth. If you like what you heard here and you want to hear more, please give us a like, a follow, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your dog, tell your cat. And remember... We will be here next week with a brand new televisual series for you to imagine and enjoy. Uh, thank you for uh, listening to the Very Reasonable Pilots podcast over all of 2023. I know you all have been listening, tuning in every episode. And we'll see you in 2024. Mm-hmm. See you next year. Maybe with a House of Malice script. 
Yeah. Oh, and just to tease next, next next week's episode, I, I do have to re- let you guys know, let everyone know that there will be the return of a character, a, a well-loved character, a, a, a much maligned character, somebody that I... <laughs> you spoiled it. Is that actually it? I knew I could guess it right away. <laughs> you did. I cut that part out if you want. I could beep it. Uh, Yeah, beep it. All right. Uh, Thank you, everyone, and have a good night. Bye. Bye.